If you've been to Logan Pass in Glacier National Park, chances are you've seen that big grayish-white marmot that frequents the boardwalk and alpine areas around the pass. This hoary marmot is the largest member of the squirrel family, and it's our subject today on the FVCC Nature Journal. Hi, and welcome to the FECC Nature Journal, the podcast for everyone who loves nature. We are coming to you from the beautiful campus of Flathead Valley Community College, at the foot of the Swan Mountain Range in northwest Montana. I'm John Fraley, longtime instructor in wildlife conservation here at the college, and I also served 40 years with Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks. Our producer is Colin Burkhart, and thanks to Morgan Ray, the library director, for offering the library as our podcast home. So today we're going to be talking about the hoary marmot, which is a common high-elevation groundhog, basically, often seen in Glacier National Park. And they're the largest member of the squirrel family, the Sciuridae, in North America. Now, Colin, you say you're not sure you've seen them before, but... If I have, I don't remember. It must okay. have been a, a while ago. But they look familiar, but yeah. it's possible that's just because they kind of have that groundhog look about that's them. That's right. They do. I didn't know that they were actually classified officially as a type of groundhog, but I always thought that mm-hmm. they did look like them, so it yeah. makes sense. They're closely related. so, And they're the largest member, I said, is the squirrel family, which is a rodent in North <laughs> America. Uh, worldwide, there's 14 species, and they are big. Adult hoary marmots weigh 10 pounds or more and may exceed 30 inches in length. So imagine a ground squirrel 10 pounds and, th- and 3 feet long, <laughs> and you've got a hoary marmot. They're big. If you've seen them around, like Logan Pass, as I was mentioning, up in Glacier Park, you'll, you'll always see them if you go walk that boardwalk trail. You'll, you'll never hmm. not see them, unless it's like a rainy or snowy day or something like that. But th- this animal attains its biggest weight in late summer when they accumulate thick layers of fat that will sustain them through winter hibernation. And wait till you hear how long they hibernate. Their body shape is similar to the groundhog, as you mentioned, uh, with their head short and broad legs, ears small and round, body thick-set, densely furred, and front paws clawed for digging burrows. So they're, they're very similar to a groundhog, but they're actually much larger than a groundhog. I always used to assume that they were closer in relation to a weasel, even though they look like uh, groundhogs, like face mm-hmm. and head, but they, they have the body of like a weasel no, much longer. Not really, because the Mustelid family, you know, with the Martin and the Wolverines, they could, they could, they kind of could represent a Wolverine. They could look a little bit like a Wolverine. So in that way, maybe you're right. But they, they attain their biggest weight in late summer, and they're accumulating this fat, getting ready to, to hibernate. Their body shape is similar to the groundhog, with their head short and broad, as we mentioned, and they're predominantly gray with a dark lower back. And hoary means whitish or grayish. Get thinking it also mean old, can it? Uh, it's possible, yeah. Their face is dark, and they have this reddish tail. The hoary marmot is called Marmota caligata and has mm-hmm. a white patch above its nose and usually has dark brown feet. And the Latin name caligata means booted, so they, that's kind of referring to their boots, like almost looks like boots. <laughs> and the pelage color of marmots is adapted to help them blend with the lichen-colored rocks or rusty brown soil of their surroundings. Yeah, they look a lot like the surroundings on, on Logan Pass uh, trail there that uh, and when you say pelage that's the the coat the coat the, the fur okay. that, yeah their pelage or pelage and it's kind of that whitish gray so the coloration varies but there's a small population believe it or not of black marmots which are melanistic marmots in glacier bay national park now i have never seen a black and i haven't seen it in montana 
But supposedly in the Tetons, there's some of them in Wyoming as well. But as I said, I haven't seen that in Montana. They're usually that gray-brown color. And they've, they're used quite a bit by indigenous people. Lewis and Clark actually never saw the hoary themselves because they weren't up in that higher elevation. But they did see tribe tribal members with the furs and the pelts. Did they not pass through what's now Glacier Park? Oh, no. Lewis and Clark, no. No, they were at mostly lower elevations. Uh, the closest mm. they got to up here where we are would be the Marias and that kind of thing. So, mm. And then Missoula, and you know, went past through Missoula and the Blackfoot. So they were used by indigenous people quite a bit for their pelts and their prized food item because they're rich in fat. Now, why do you think, even Lewis and Clark, but particularly indigenous people, why do you think that they prized food items that were rich in fat? Uh, I mean, it lasts longer, right? It just gives them that energy. You know, you're out, you're out there in the cold fending for yourself, and the fat gives you that energy and maybe generates some warmth for you. So mm-hmm. like Lewis and Clark, they... They really prized the beaver and the bison, things that had a lot of fat in their meat. So, And so their, their pelts also made really warm garments of an interesting white-gray color, and they were used as soft bedding. So they would, the ones that could get in, uh, indigenous people could get enough of these, they would make it into their bedding, and it was very soft and, and nice to sleep on. And actually, some of the tribes that was doing some research actually used them as a kind of currency. Now, can you think of another pelt that was used for currency? That would be the Martins. We've talked about that on the show before, haven't we? Yep, the marten and particularly the beaver because mm-hmm. the beaver was so valuable that if you know, the old-time folks would pile up the beaver hides, stack them up, and when they got as high as a rifle, and they could buy a <laughs> rifle with it. <laughs> so it was the beaver and then, of course, deer, a buck, you know, a, you know, the dollar a buck. Oh, um, that's, is that yep. really why they get yeah. that name? Well, supposedly. I don't know. <laughs> we could look it up. Huh. That's, that's, it, supposedly that is. So, so anyway, they could even have been used as a kind of currency. So they're, I guess you could say, uh, highly prized. And they're, they're not hard to find, these horries. They rise up on their hind legs to look around. And when they do that, then they expose themselves. And often that's how you're seeing them when they rise up on those hind legs. They're trying to look and see what you are. And I remember once on a hike to Sperry Chalet with my family, I saw about a dozen of these horries, and there was a family group of about six, and the young were just tumbling all over each other right alongside of the trail. I and mean, it was just incredible, watchable wildlife opportunity. I got a lot of great pictures, and it's just amazing that you can get animals to tolerate you that closely and be able to watch them do that. So they're, they're sort of playful, almost. At least they were when I saw that group of them. So horries can be distinguished fairly readily from Montana's other marmot, which is the yellow-bellied marmot, based on color. And as we said, the hoary is whitish gray and grizzled, whereas the yellow-bellied marmot is, as its name suggests, you know, a yellowish brown to tawny with a distinctly yellow belly. The hoary is the larger of the two species, and where their ranges overlap, horries are found in the alpine habitats and yellow-bellied marmots on the lower elevations. And you know, I was, I guess, a little surprised when I thought about it that Lewis and Clark never saw the hoary marmot when they went back to Lolo Pass because they were that was in June and that's about when they would come out of hibernation mm-hmm. and they went high up there above the Loxa and those mountains there but they don't ever report seeing the hoary marmot. So, so they stick to high elevations. These marmots. Do. These horries are pretty much exclusively high elevation. I remember seeing them in a place over by, believe it or not, in the Mission Mountains. There's a there's a ridge. It's above a lake called the Angel's Bathing Pool. <laughs> and it's a lot of high elevation, beautiful country. It looks a lot like Logan Pass. And I remember walking through some of that on the way up to, the, to get over the pass to go to the, waiting, uh, the, the Angel's Bathing Pool. And we saw a number of hoary marmots there. Uh, and I've seen them all around the missions. There's a lot of them in the missions. 
Maybe they mistook the Hori marmot for a different kind of marmot they'd already mm-hmm. seen, and they just assumed uh, it's just another one. Possibly, and you know, the hunters would bring the animals back to Lewis to identify. Maybe they never just brought one back. But I remember we were camped near Island Lake up in the missions one time, and there was this hoary marmot that would come around our campfire and hang around. We called him Marty, Marty the marmot. But you know, you don't want to, I guess, contribute to uh, habituating to humans. So oh, yeah. You, yeah, you don't want to feed them or you know, get too close to them or anything like that. So they have a really vocal system of alarm calls, and it, they almost sounds like whistles or trills, and they warn off predators. Like if they see a coyote, an eagle, a fox, any kind of predator in the high country, maybe as you mentioned, a marmot or, or a martin or a weasel, they let off this big whistle. And in fact, when you're going along, like I remember in the missions that time when I saw them in that little Shangri-La Valley above Angel's Bathing Pool, they would, they'd see me coming, they'd go, Shoot! you know, a really loud whistle, and then they would burrow, go right back down into their burrow. So they have that really shrill, shrill whistle. And so we talked about their name, Hori, because of the silver white fur, and it's gray or white as if with, as if with age, but that's, that's uh, why they're called Hori's. So. Uh, as if with age. So it's, it's to say as if they were old, not... As if they were old, yeah. Yeah, okay. But even the young ones have that same whitish gray fur. So when there's plenty of food, Hori's live in colonies made up of a dominant male, a few breeding females, and their young and a few subordinate males, and only the dominant male will mate with the female. They live in a complex series of tunnels up to 20 feet below the surface. Imagine that. They're burrowed in 20 feet below the surface. That's, that's a lot deeper than most of the ones a, we've that's a long ways. covered before. That is a long ways. Like pocket gophers are just a few feet. You know, there's ground squirrels. Oh, they yeah. Actually, ground squirrels can have a pretty, and prairie dogs can have a pretty big labyrinth I, I of tunnels. I thought ground squirrels were only about six feet down. Yeah, but that's still pretty far below the surface. You're right. That's what we talked about. 20 feet. But 20 feet is a long way. They're not going to get caught by too much digging of any predators. Well, you'd be surprised. The grizzly bear, let's talk about the predators. It'll dig 20 feet down? Well, maybe not. It might not catch. That's the maximum depth. They might catch them in a place where it's not. They pull over the rock. If you've seen it, they turn over rocks and try to get them. Because what a big food item for a grizzly, you know. It's really... (laughs) Amazing. So, but yeah, they're not going to get 20 feet down. So they have that deep of a, a labyrinth that they're okay. And they're really, they are really a communal animal. They live in those groups. And I remember when I was doing a video report on the Highline Trail up in Glacier on hoary marmots. I had an expert with me. I was filming them, filming them, and we would we would go over to the entrance of their tunnel and film them. They'd just be sitting there, you know, looking at you. <laughs> they they don't get too uh, worried about human beings. So they mate shortly after they come out of their hibernation, and they mate in the burrows themselves. And about a month after mating, the young are born. Uh, they have a gestation period of about a month. And they're, they're born in those underground burrows, and then they wean them down there for a while. And then they'll stay with the female for two years because it takes them quite a while to become adults. And they're true hibernators. They enter the state of torpor in the winter, torpor, T-O-R-P-O-R. And it, their body temperature goes way down. Their functions are reduced. Think of that. They're up in those burrows up on top of Logan Pass all winter long, you know, so they're, they're down there and they have their body temperature really low, and they hibernate alone in the same burrows in which they spent the summer. Marmots are most active in early morning and late afternoon, although they may leave their burrows during other daylight hours. As I said you can see them just all day up at Logan Pass. Mm-hmm. They, they, I haven't seen this, but this says they need wind to uh, control mosquito levels, and they mark their territory by rubbing their face and glands on rocks and along trails. But they're not real territorial. They're pretty communal. They eat a variety of grasses, green plants, and seeds, and they eat snow to get the water they need. The hoary puts on a layer of fat, as we said, before it hibernates, and they go into hibernation in September, and they don't emerge until June. They're under there for nine months. 
you can imagine it. And they're a big animal. So Think of that. they're only around in the summer. They're, they only have a few year, uh, months, maybe three months to live in the summer. And the rest of the time, they're sleeping. So it's a pretty, I see it as a pretty lonely life. What do you think? What's their lifespan? Oh, they can up to 10 to 15 years in the wild. Okay, so they don't don't die too quick. No, not too quickly. But boy, that's not not a long time to be out. So if you want to see hoary marmots, head to the high country. But remember to give them space because they can become accustomed to humans. They are great watchable wildlife. And if you walk the boardwalk trail near Logan Pass, you are almost sure to see one. That's all the time we have for this episode of the FBCC Nature Journal. Thanks for joining us. I'm John Fraley, and I'll see you next time. Mm